Our Own Press presents The Cradle, written and performed by T.M. Camp. Someone was singing a woman's voice drifting faintly in the dark. It was a good sound, warm and welcoming. And beneath it, G could hear the sound of rain. She sat up, casting her eyes about the semi-darkness around her. Vague shapes of furniture huddled in the gloom and, in the confusion of waking, she thought she was home. Then her mind cleared as her eyes adjusted to the dim light. She was in someone's house, lying on a couch in the living room. Three tall windows stretched up one high wall, the sky outside heavy with leaden clouds. She could not tell in this gray light if it was morning or evening. She was just going to have to wait and see which way the light went. Someone had covered her with a quilt, she realized, a geometric pattern of red and white triangles joined together point to point. She thought vaguely of hourglasses, and then black widow spiders. You could never tell in this place when things were signs of danger, and what weren't. Even an old blanket was suspicious. She threw off the quilt and swung her legs over the side, banging them sharply on a little coffee table next to the sofa. She rubbed her shins and took stock of her surroundings. To her right, beyond the couch, The room opened up into what felt like a much larger space, going further back to where the light couldn't reach. She could see a doorway back there, an oblong of light in the darkness from which came a woman's voice singing softly, and, underneath, the familiar sound of someone working in the kitchen. The warm smell of food drifted in, as faint as the voice, but more lovely. They'd put a quilt over her. They were making breakfast, or was it dinner? And they were singing while they worked. They probably wouldn't go to all that trouble if they planned to hurt her. But still, you could never be too sure. Not in this place. G got up slowly, her eyes on the doorway and ready to run if anyone appeared. She glanced around the room, looking for another way out. A set of stairs climbed one wall, and a large dark block of shadow set against the wall below the banister revealed itself as an old upright piano. She thought briefly of her brother, wondered if he was still taking lessons. She crossed the room, ignoring the dim pictures hanging on the wall. Someone else's family photos didn't interest her at all. An odd shape in one corner turned out to be an old battered guitar. There, to one side of the window, she found a door leading outside. She had her hand on the knob when she heard a man's voice in the room behind her. She turned. Come along and rest a bit. Supper will be ready soon. Two figures entered through the darkness, moving slowly toward her. In the dim light, G could just make out a man helping along a smaller figure, an old woman, 
she moved so slow. G froze there in the shadows. They might not see her, might not have a chance to stop her before she was out the door. They might be nice, she knew, but G'd been on her own for quite a while now. She was not in the habit of being around other people, let alone trusting them. The man finally got his charge across the floor and into one of the overstuffed armchairs. There you are, he said, helping her sit down. Now, let me just get the light. A match flared in the darkness, an oil lamp on a side table glowing to life, its warm light pushing back the shadows in the room. The man was young, maybe in his twenties. As he adjusted the lamp, G felt a flash of recognition. Something about his strong features and his jet black hair reminded her of someone. She couldn't quite place who. His companion in the chair was an old woman, impossibly old, older than anyone G had ever seen before. The woman's mouth worked soundlessly, like an infant's. She had the bluest eyes G had ever seen, and they were staring directly at her. G was caught. The man hadn't noticed her yet, though. He slipped a box of matches into the breast pocket of a blue shirt so pale and worn it was almost white. Now you settle in here for a while and I'll go see if I can lend a hand in the kitchen. He had a deep voice, resonant but rough around the edges, the words like stones rubbing against one another. The old woman, her eyes still fixed on G, lifted one fragile hand pointing to where the girl was hiding in the shadows. The man settled his hand on top of the old woman's and pressed it gently back down to the armrest of the chair. Easy now, he patted her hand. No need to get worked up. You're safe from the storm now. He straightened up. You're lucky. It's just the two of you here tonight. He pitched his voice low and glanced to the sofa where G had been sleeping, frowning at the sight of the abandoned quilt. Oh ho! His eyes quickly found G there by the door. Well then, he smiled at her. Look who woke up. The old woman muttered something G did not quite understand. Neither did the man, apparently. I let you sleep. You looked like you needed it. But you're just in time, he told G. It's almost time for supper. You're welcome to join us if you like. G said nothing. She was trying to decide if she could make it through the door, if things turned nasty. How much? She lifted one hand to the latch, just in case. For dinner. The man shook his head, his eyes smiling around the edges. No charge, he told her. It's on the house. G hadn't been down here very long at all, but long enough to know that nothing was ever free in this place. Her stomach rumbled, louder than the thunder outside. The man echoed with a chuckle. Tell you what. He smiled. Supper isn't for a little while yet. Why don't you go upstairs and wash up, just in case you decide to stay? G considered this. She could smell very nice things wafting out of the kitchen. She wondered what was on the menu. Take your time. He gestured to the doorway at the top of the steps. You'll find everything you need up there. 
What do you say? She considered this, nodded. Good deal. He patted the old woman's shoulder. She looked up at him with grateful, slightly murky eyes. Keep an eye on this little girl for me, he told G. Give me a holler if you need anything. Uh, okay. The man started to go, but G called out to him. Wait! He turned. What are you called? The man smiled. These days, most everybody calls me... And here he said something G didn't quite understand. It sounded like J.R., but she wasn't sure. She cocked her head. It's my initials, he explained. My mama and daddy never gave me more than two letters on my birth certificate. Oh, she nodded, understanding. J.R. She thought for a moment, sizing him up. He seemed nice enough but she would not give anyone in this place her real name. And besides, even her name was starting to unravel a bit around the edges, like the hem of her old skirt. It didn't feel like hers anymore. Not quite. She was starting to think of herself as G more and more. And so that was the name she gave him. He nodded, smiled. Well then. And with that, he headed back through the darkened room towards the kitchen. G watched him go, still chewing over his offer. Soap, the old woman said, interrupting her thoughts. G took a breath. She'd been raised to respect her elders, but this place had definitely changed her opinion about certain things. And she had developed a strong dislike of being bossed around. Soap, the old woman insisted. G considered a number of replies, most of them withering. But she held her tongue because she was a guest here, and because she knew better than to insult someone's hospitality. Also, she probably did need a good washing up. The old woman stared at her intently, her blue eyes bright and expectant. I'll be right back, G told her. Soap! The old woman clearly had strong opinions on the subject. G nodded. Yeah, you bet. With hot water and everything. She waited until she was safely up the stairs before she rolled her eyes. G stood for a long time at the sink, staring at her reflection in the mirror over the basin. She hadn't realized how dirty her face was and her hair was nothing more than tangles, like an uprooted tree. She was going to have to get very soapy, for sure. In other circumstances, she might have locked the door and filled the tub, but she still wasn't quite sure about her host, or his unseen companion in the kitchen. And the old lady just annoyed her. Truth be told, she didn't want to miss dinner. She'd already wasted a considerable stretch of time trying to decide what soap she should use. On one side of the sink, there was a little dish of pale pink nuggets shaped like roses, and on the other side was the usual white bar. What it came down to, G decided, was whether she was company or not. She finally reached for the bar. She figured it was better to be wrong and humble. 
Once she'd managed to get her face and hands relatively clean again, G found herself faced with another puzzle of hospitality. Which towels should she use? Before she headed back downstairs, though, she went exploring. There were two toothbrushes, she noted. But apart from that, the bathroom didn't yield very much about her host, or rather, hosts. Just the usual toiletries. A razor, hand cream, a few magazines on the commode, a shower cap hanging from the bathtub faucet. So whoever J.R. was helping in the kitchen, it was probably... His wife, maybe? Or his mother? But then, who was the old lady? She wondered, idly, if old people brushed their dentures. She didn't think it seemed likely. She stood for a long time outside the bathroom, considering the closed door on the opposite end of the little hallway. J.R. had been very nice to offer to let her get cleaned up but it was a safe bet that most people's hospitality dried up once they caught you snooping around. She didn't know these people, or therefore trust them at all, but G didn't want to end up being the bad guy in this story. Even so, she couldn't help herself. Carefully, quietly, she reached for the doorknob. Like the bathroom, the bedroom was perfectly ordinary. A double bed with a quilt tucked neatly over the end of a puffy-down comforter. A few odds and ends on the bureau, a couple of books, and a half-empty glass of water on the nightstand. G suddenly realized she was exhausted. A nap seemed much preferable to a meal, and the bed looked very comfortable. She shook herself. There was an old leather-bound book on the nightstand she leafed through the thin pages. A Bible. This surprised her a bit. She wondered why anyone would bother with it down here. There was a small wire-bound notebook on top of the old book, but she couldn't make head nor tails of the scratchy notes scribbled inside. Someone likes to make lists, she thought. Apart from that, all she had learned for all her snooping was that Two people lived here, and, apparently, they were pretty boring. Before she headed back downstairs, G listened for a moment just inside the doorway at the top. Apart from a few muffled sounds from the kitchen, she could hear nothing but the occasional sound of thunder. She'd thought they might have been whispering down there, planning their next tactic to capture her. Maybe. Maybe not. As she stepped out onto the landing, she was surprised to see the old woman staring up at her, as though she'd been waiting for her this whole time. The old woman's eyes shone in the lamplight. The intensity of her stare was a bit disconcerting. Her eyes, very blue. But G wasn't one to back down. She met the old woman's gaze head on. What? Soap! The old woman croaked up at her. G sighed, drawing it out so that it lasted her all the way down the stairs. At the bottom, she waited for a moment. Finally, she went back and sat on the sofa. So, uh, what are you called? 
the old woman blinked, looked away as though annoyed. Soapy. Great, she thought. I get to have dinner with the underworld's oldest space cadet. Uh-huh. G nodded to show the woman that she understood her obsession with cleaning products. That's great. She looked around for something else, anything else to do. The furniture was all old, threadbare. Her grandparents had furniture like this. She reached for a piece of candy in the dish on the table only to discover that it had fused into a shiny, dense mass. Her grandparents had one of those as well. She remembered then that her grandmother, her mother's mother, had passed away a few years before. She wondered if maybe she was down here somewhere. It was an interesting thought, a very different sort of family reunion. She felt a little guilty that she hadn't thought of it before now. They'd all be down here eventually, her whole family. She wasn't entirely sure how she felt about that. She liked the freedom she had, even taking into account all of the walking and rain. She wasn't entirely certain that she wanted to give any of that up. She got up and wandered around the room, looking for something to pass the time. A framed photo on top of the piano got her attention, a man and woman standing together. She recognized the man who had invited her to stay for dinner, although in the picture he looked considerably older, by twenty or thirty years at least. But it was him, not his father or an older brother. It was the same man, just much older somehow, like a snapshot from the future. Baffled and a little suspicious, G looked through the darkened room to the open door. She could hear two voices, a man and woman in conversation. She decided she might as well try to eavesdrop a bit. There was a soft sound from behind her and G looked back. The old woman had turned in her chair to watch. Soapy, she whispered, encouraging. G rolled her eyes. She turned back and continued on to the kitchen. In the darkened room, filled with furniture, it was fairly easy for her to bump into something, which is exactly what she did, almost immediately, stubbing her toe badly. She did her best not to make a sound, squeezing back the tears as best she could. She patted around with her hands, getting a feel for whatever it was she'd run into. Her hands touched something, a rough, flat surface at waist level, some sort of table, and something else, something familiar. Her fingertips played over a cluster of smooth globes. She moved her hands to one side laying her palms atop a familiar shape, radiating warmth. A loaf of fresh-baked bread, a bowl of grapes. She could see them there, in her mind's eye. Then she heard the rustling above, the whisper of the leaves in the darkness. She looked up. She could just make out the crown of boughs intertwined overhead. There, on the other side of the table, she saw the two trunks growing close together. In the dim light cast by the kitchen door, they were almost one. The table 
trees. Somehow, things had changed while she'd been sleeping. She only had a moment or two for this realization, then she heard footsteps and something eclipsed the light from the doorway. She turned as J.R. came into the room, carrying an oil lamp in one hand and a stack of dishes in the other. Hello again, he said. What did you decide about dinner? Should I set three places or four? She considered for a moment. She could see a woman through the doorway moving back and forth. She could smell warm food and willed her stomach not to rumble. She failed. Count me in, she said. Thank you. You bet. He handed her the dishes. Make yourself useful here while I go collect our other guest. He set the lamp down on the table, the light spreading upward to the branches above, and headed off to where the old woman sat waiting. G hefted the stack of dishes and set it down on the table. In the light of the lamp, there was no denying it. The same loaf, same bowl of grapes, the same pitcher and the same two trees spread out above them. But instead of the dome, it was all in this house now. And so was she. While she tried to figure it all out, she set the table. There were no chairs, she noted. She looked back and saw J.R. walking the old woman over to the table. It was slow going. Each little step, the old woman shifted her weight from one foot to the other, then a slight movement forward to slide the first foot and then wait while the other one caught up. J.R. waited patiently, held one arm and murmured an encouragement. No need to rush, mother. He patted her arm. We've got plenty of time. The old woman answered, her voice quiet and dry as salt. G was a little surprised to hear more out of her than just soap. Though, even so, she didn't understand a word of what the woman had to say. She wasn't sure J.R. did either, but he nodded and patted the woman's arm again. Well, hello there. G turned to see a young woman standing in the doorway of the kitchen, wiping her hands on her apron. J.R. said you'd be joining us. It's so good to have you. The woman was young, pretty. There was music in her voice and accent straight out of a country western song. Now you just stay put and we'll get supper on the table soon enough. She liked her immediately. Can I help with anything? It had been a very long time since G had been anywhere even remotely normal, let alone sitting at a table to have dinner. But she still remembered her manners. Thank you, the old woman showed off her dimples. I think I can manage. You help J.R. gather up the chairs. A little buzzer sounded in the kitchen. Oops, that's the cookies. The woman headed back in before G. had a chance to ask her name. G. saw a row of ladder-back chairs against the far wall. She went around the table and passed the trees, bringing one back just as J.R. and the old woman arrived. She set the chair in place and pulled it out. With a little bit of help from J.R., the old woman maneuvered herself down into it with a sigh. Safe and sound, J.R. said. Door-to-door -door service. He winked at G. Come help me with the rest. Before G could reply, the old woman touched her hand and murmured something. Her blue eyes. 
very bright. Uh, she patted the old lady's hand. You're welcome, she hesitated. Ma'am. Soapy, the old woman corrected her. Don't roll your eyes, she told herself. Yup, lots of thuds. She followed J.R. over to collect the rest of the chairs. You met June? J.R. asked. June? She nodded as the woman reappeared with a handful of silverware. J.R. hopped into action and, with G's help, soon the table was set and ready for the meal. June shooed them to their seats. J.R. sat at the head of the table with G on his right and the old woman down at the foot. Moving back and forth between the table and the kitchen, his wife soon filled the table with steaming platters and bowls. She stood for a moment, making sure everything was in place. She nodded, untying her apron while her husband pulled out her chair for her. Once she was settled, J.R. took his wife's hand. Thank you, love. His voice was gentle and his eyes were full of love. It looks wonderful. She couldn't have said why, but this choked G up a little bit. She swallowed hard and did her best not to sniffle. She had to admit he was right. Even though it was a pretty basic meal, everything looked delicious. Steamed green beans, roasted vegetables, a heaping bowl of mashed potatoes, fruit salad, and yet something was missing. G was about to ask when J.R. sat back down and reached for her hand. Touch was something she had trouble trusting down here. But she didn't want to insult his hospitality, and really, she knew in her core that these were good people. After a moment's hesitation, she took his hand, surprisingly heavy. The tips of his fingers were thick with calluses. After so long alone, it was a relief to let a little trust take root once more. The old woman took her other hand and gave it a squeeze. She did her best to smile politely at her. She was less comforted by the feel of that dry, papery hand, but she didn't want to be rude. Let us pray. J.R. lowered his head and everyone followed suit. Father God, he said it with a sigh, comfortable and familiar. Your servants thank you for these humble gifts, for these guests, and for the rain with which you have blessed us all. She peeked up under her eyebrows. The old woman was staring at her, bright eyes very sharp and blue. She looked down quickly, caught. And thank you, Lord, for this life together, for this gift of family and friends, new and old. She heard the old woman make a noise, a soft sound. J.R. finished with, In your name and under your hand, we thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen, June murmured in agreement. Uh, she raised her head. Amen. She did her best to avoid the old woman staring at her. Finally, she snuck a quick look. The woman was watching as June spooned some mashed potatoes onto her plate. In the light, she noticed the old woman wasn't nearly as old as she had thought at first. Now well then, 
Jr. said, interrupting her thoughts. Dig in, everyone. There's plenty to go around. Dishes made their way around the table, passed from hand to hand. Oh, I almost forgot, Jr. said. What would you like to drink? Ice tea or milk? Tea, please. She wrinkled her nose. I think the milk's gone bad. June smiled, reaching for the pitcher. Oh, I don't think so, honey. Not this milk. She nodded. Yes, ma'am. It is. I tried some, uh, before. It tasted funny. J.R. chuckled. Have you ever had goat's milk before? G shook her head. He nodded. It does taste a good deal different from what you're probably used to. He reached for the pitcher and filled the old woman's cup and then his own. But you're welcome to stick with the tea. June usually does. His wife nodded, wrinkling her nose as well. I'm with you, sweetheart. I think it tastes funny, too. J.R. took a drink. I'm just a little bit more country than the rest of y'all, I suppose. June laid her hand on the back of his neck, tugged at his hair. Not so much, love. Again, she felt her throat tighten. There was something here, something about the two of them doting on each other. She could feel it, a sweetness and an ache all at once. She was never going to have this, she realized. She would never meet someone, get married, and grow old together. There was more to her life that she'd never see. Looking at J.R. and June, she realized how much she would miss out on. Next to her, the old woman reached a trembling hand for her cup, but June laid a hand on her arm. Let me help you with that, sweetheart. She lifted the cup gently to the woman's lips. It was a strange thing to do for someone else, G. thought, but it was kind as well, since the old woman probably would have spilled everywhere. The old woman drank. Her blue eyes found June's over the rim of the cup, grateful. Would you like some bread? June asked. The old woman nodded. G watched with interest as June sliced the loaf, waiting to see if... Green beans? G took the dish from J.R. When she looked back... The bread was whole again. She was a little disappointed she'd missed it. But the old woman's eyes were wide with surprise. Gee knew how she felt. Gee laid a few green beans on her plate, just enough to be polite, but not so many that she might die from eating them. She had never particularly cared for vegetables, especially green beans. She didn't like the waxy scrape of them against her teeth. Thank you. You're welcome. He turned and offered the dish to the old woman, helping her place a few spoonfuls on her plate. There was something about the old woman, G thought, the way everyone helped her. Even G felt a little protective of her. She seemed so weak and feeble, lost and confused like a baby. June placed a fork between the old woman's trembling fingers and something shifted in G's head for a moment. She understood something then, saw something at work in the world, a pattern, an engine that drove things along. When we're born, she realized, we can't take care of ourselves. 
We can't eat. We can't walk. We can't go to the bathroom by ourselves. We don't know anything. We don't understand anything. And everyone is a stranger, even our mom and dad. Everyone is a stranger. She watched June and J.R. caring for this old woman, someone who had just wandered by and been taken in without question or complaint, just like G. G realized that was pretty much how everyone started out. And we all end up where we started, at the end. We're just as lost, just as helpless. No matter how many friends we have, no matter how big our family is, we all end up the same. Strangers wandering alone through the world once more. J.R. passed her another dish, mashed potatoes. This was much more to her liking. You want some bread, honey? June asked her, holding out a slice. Yes, please. She glanced at the loaf. June followed her gaze and smiled, laying the slice of bread on the girl's plate. Thank you. She looked around the table for the gravy, but there wasn't any. Neither, she saw, was there any meat. With everything they had to offer, all the dishes were full of vegetables or fruit. There was no main course. She thought for a moment that maybe something had been forgotten in the kitchen, but it was clear that neither June nor J.R. noted anything amiss. Where is... she said, without thinking. J.R. raised his eyebrows. What can we get you? Nothing, she shook her head. I'm fine. Everything looks great. She tried to back away from the question she'd almost asked, but June was quick to pick it up. We don't eat meat. I'm sorry, June smiled. Not anymore. Not at this table. J.R. nodded. No meat. No slaughter. There was too much of that in the world back in that old life. We couldn't be hospitable to some lives and not others. Just wouldn't be right. Not here. It's okay, she nodded. I'm sorry if I... June patted her hand. Don't worry. You're not the first to ask. Some guests... J.R. considered his words for a moment. Well, some folks expect hospitality means they should get whatever they want. They don't think about what that means for the others, what it takes away from somebody else. He shook his head. They think hospitality starts and stops with them. G thought about this for a moment. What do you do if people are rude and want their way? He chuckled. I just do the best I can. Hope they figure it out for themselves. Do they? Not as much as we'd like, June said, smiling at her husband from across the table. His eyes crinkled in answer. They were older than she'd first thought, she realized. There were crow's feet around June's eyes, deep wrinkles across J.R.'s brow, the only thing that felt young about them was their obvious love for each other. G chewed a green bean as quickly as she could, washing it down with a gulp of iced tea. So, this is a hotel? She couldn't remember the last time she'd slept in a bed or had a bath. 
A nice warm dinner was one thing, but the thought of a dry, warm bed made her want to cry with relief. June laughed. Oh, no, honey, not at all. We just... We just keep the door open. Keep an empty chair at the table. Just in case someone needs a safe place, a soft bed, or something warm to quiet down the thunder in their belly. As if on cue, there was a rumble from outside. Everyone laughed. Not much I can do about that, though. J.R. looked across the table at his wife fondly. Rains may come, Mama, don't they? June nodded, reaching across to take his hand. And the waters may rise. The old woman said something in response to this. The meal had done her some good. She seemed a little more spry, stronger even. Her hand no longer shook when she raised her fork. How's your food? June asked G. Is there anything I can get you? The dinner was delicious, and G said so. I get so hungry sometimes here, she said, apologizing. And then, other times, it seems like I can go forever without eating anything. Appetite's a funny thing, J.R. agreed. The busier I am, I forget to eat. Don't even notice it until I settle down. All of a sudden, I'm starving. He looked a little tired, G. thought. A wave washed over him, then receded, leaving behind fatigue pooling in the dark hollows beneath his eyes. She couldn't shake the feeling, stronger now, that she'd seen him before. She took a long, thoughtful sip of her tea. This book is a work of fiction. All situations, events, and characters are nothing more nor less than products of the author's imagination. And it's entirely possible that some of you are as well. Any resemblance to persons living dead or somewhere in between is entirely coincidental, especially if any of them want to sue me. This recording of The Cradle was produced by Our Own Press and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. It is copyright 2012, TM Camp, all rights reserved, except for the music, which is copyright Michael Levy. Violators of this copyright will be prosecuted to the full extent of the law and suffer the fury of the gods poured out in mighty waves of unending wrath until nothing of your selfish lands remain but water as far as the eye can see. Or being turned into goats. Either way, you'll be sorry. You'll see. This recording was originally distributed as a free download through the author's website at www.tmcamp.com. The music is available from Michael Levy's website at www.ancientliar.com.
are on press, bringing readers and writers together, one story at a time.